Welcome to Biz Break, episode number nine. Today we have Greg Weatherton, author of Get More Life Out of Your Business. He also has an amazing podcast called Small Business Minute. Greg, thank you for coming in. Hey, thanks for being here, Chris. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to our chat this morning. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? I know you have a really, really interesting um, a story in regards to um, your business background and, and, and where you are today. Sure. Once I left high school, I uh, tried the post-secondary for a couple of years and uh, found out that I probably wasn't ready for that, but right. also in a bit of a hurry to, uh, to make money. But I was uh, probably the typical uh, entrepreneurial profile as a kid. I um, mm. used to be the guy walking down the street with a snow shovel, shoveling driveways and cutting lawns in the summertime and whatnot. And not so much because I uh, thought I'd ever be an entrepreneur, but it was because I came from a big family. And if you ever come from a big family, you don't get an allowance. So dad said, if you want some money, go earn it. So that set the stage for, uh, for my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, tried post-secondary, didn't really suit my needs at that time and um, proceeded to drive truck for a bunch of years. And that was great. I enjoyed driving truck, but I realized at some point I didn't want to be an old truck driver. And uh, I thought um, there was better ways to achieve my goals and um, proceeded through there to get some sales experience, uh, joined a major packaged goods company and was there for about six or seven years and progressed through the ranks, but left to, to form my first company which was a sales and merchandising company, one of the largest in Canada at the time. So, And that started me on my uh, entrepreneurial journey. You worked for a couple other companies. And, and so what was it defining moment for you when you said, okay, I don't want to work for anybody else? What was that defining moment for you? I'm not sure if there was ever one defining aha moment, mm-hmm. but I guess deep down inside, I probably realized that I was going to be self-employed at some point. And uh, one of the things I, I profess to people now is I got some great experience working for these other companies. I mean, People get jobs, but they don't realize the experience that they're being exposed to. I, I kind of recognize that. Mm-hmm. And as the industry in particular was transitioning at the time, the, the packaged goods industry, I saw an opportunity and I said, I don't know. I, I didn't really have a big fear. It was, a, it was certainly a risk. I had a young family and uh, I was giving up a very good position. But I just thought that time was right. And so the moon's aligned that it made sense at the time. So what was that opportunity that you said you just saw? Well, in the industry, the packaged goods industry, uh, if you look at retail, just pharmacy alone, there's uh, there's almost 10,000 pharmacies in Canada. And the, the typical companies would cover them all with Salesforce, and that's what I did. I had uh, reps working for me at one point and merchandisers. But during um, the late 80s, there was a transition happening that uh, there was a massive reduction taking place in call coverage. So what was happening is yeah, in today's comparison, those companies that used to call on the eight or 9,000 pharmacies out there now uh, maybe call on five or 600. So okay. the rest of them became orphaned. The opportunity mm. was to help them support uh, their sales activity or retail. So it was a, it was a genesis of, a, of an industry. It wasn't existing in Canada at that point. And uh, at that company, eight years into it, I had 150 employees working across Canada. And, uh, and that was your first business, right? Right. It was my MBA and what not to do in small uh. business. So what, what lessons did you learn? That, um, you know, capitals um, and cash flow are, are critical elements to a company. Now, I'm all about bootstrapping and I, and I get it and I love it. It's, it's a great place to be. It's frustrating at times, but it also keeps you honest and focused. The uh, cash flow element is most entrepreneurs that I run into on a daily basis now, that's an element they're not too strong on. They don't realize that it's the, it's the breath of uh, life mm. for their business. Yeah. Uh, without cash, they don't survive. So you get a little c- casual about collecting receivables and whatnot and uh, not speeding up that whole process. So 
that was probably one of the biggest lessons and challenges that I uh, faced. It's always interesting because I think about bootstrapping and I, I share the same thoughts in, in regards to bootstrapping. And what I love about bootstrapping, is it puts a focus on sales rather than on spending. So if you get an investor that gives you money, that's more of a, a focus on spending rather than when you bootstrap, you're, you're thinking a little bit more about how do I make money? How do I generate sales? How do I make this business a long-term business? And that's a great point. I mean, I, I love the analogy. And one of the things I tell startups, because I do, I'm an advisor um, for a number of startups uh, throughout the city. But one of the things I, I tell them in terms of sales is they should be spending over 80% of their time on sales, focused on sales. Unfortunately, a lot of them are looking for that investor that they're spending mm -hmm. way too much time and there really aren't that many investors out there. And number two, they're, they're working too hard to develop their product. Not that that's not important, but there's a point at some point where you, you launch. I think Guy Kawasaki in The Art of the Start said, it, it's good enough, make it better later. And I, I've been an advocate of that uh, for years, long before I read uh, Guy's book, but I, I totally believe in that. Get started, show, show me that somebody cares about your product and is willing to spend some money against it. You can always make it better. And uh, it keeps you honest. It's funny. We, we met, and, and I remember the first time we had a discussion, and you're, you're retired, but you're probably the busiest person I know. You sold your business, so you sold your second business, correct? Yes, that's correct. And, and now you're the busiest person I know with a podcast, writing books, doing a ton of things. I'm kind of curious to know what really made that second business so much better than the first business. Well, as I said earlier, my uh, first business called the Sales Support Company was my MBA and what not to do. Right. Um, it's the typical journey that most entrepreneurs take. We, we assume we know everything. And the thing about business that I always found is um, what we don't know about business will always exceed what we do know, no matter what stage and no matter how smart you are. So as I went forward, I realized that after eight years with 150 employees walk, working uh, across the, the land, and I was the last guy to get paid. I was the hardest working person. And I said, this is not right. So I had the opportunity to dispose of the company. And uh, dispose would be a polite way of saying, get me the heck out of there. Mm -hmm. And I did. And um, I sold it for a lot less than I should have. Again, being naive and not knowing, um, I, I left some money on the table. That was okay, but it became the genesis of my next evolution, which was, okay, I'm not going to be that hardest working guy. This is about me. And entrepreneurs forget why they go into business. It's really to achieve their goals and dreams, support a lifestyle they may want. And I've come to realize there's probably five or six things that every entrepreneur wants. And the order may change. So it'll be a, a decent income. It's free time. It's, it's being your own boss. And everybody has different priorities on that. But once I uh, realized that this is about me, and um, so I built the company at that point around my needs and my, and it was an, uh, really an aha moment. And I vowed never to take a briefcase home at nights. <laughs> I vowed never to take a briefcase home at night because yeah. I just said nine to five, that's when I should be able to do this. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, it just continued to grow. And now, I, I know you do a lot of mentoring in the Ottawa region. You've, you've done some mentoring with Invest Ottawa, and now you're out in the Ottawa Valley. Did you have mentors yourself? Sadly, no, not in the formal sense. And I never knew mentor in its you know, current form is kind of like entrepreneurship. It's, uh, it's new to the, to the environment. It never really did exist, that, that whole mentorship. But I found that we need mentors. And, and I heard a great statement from somebody is any business person and probably anybody in life should have a mentor that's older than them and one that's younger than them. 
because the older person can talk about the experiences and what to watch for. And the younger mentor can help you understand the new technology that's coming along. I thought that was a fascinating mm. sort of perspective on that. So I never had one. And um, one of the reasons I'm passionate about mentoring is because I didn't, and I realized that there's a lot of value in that. It's really interesting at Algonquin College. Um, there's now a new program called uh, Mentorship at Algonquin College, which is out of the Entrepreneurship Center here. Um, we really try to push it, and, and we're trying to talk to students in, in not just have coming to the Entrepreneurship Center and actually being set up with a mentor, but I really believe that, you know, in life you should have at least four or five mentors because each mentor will probably have something different um, to, to give you or, or some new perspective. And so I love that idea of having somebody younger and, and somebody older. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So that's the end of podcast episode number nine for BizBreak. Thank you, Greg Weatherden, for coming in. And we're going to have Greg Weatherden on episode number 10. Um, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Music.